Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show, well, we're doing something very special. By popular demand, in a certain sense, me and my partner in crime, Mark Ryle, are looking at the best movie endings of all time. That's right. So, spoiler alert, folks. Don't want to get emails, texts going, oh, you ruined that movie. You are going to have movies ruined if you haven't seen them. Turn over. Put on Racing from the Curra if you don't want to hear movies being spoiled. That said, you're more than welcome, and I'm not angry with you. And someone who is even more than welcome than the great listeners is the great Mark Ryle. How are you, Mark? I'm fine, John. How are you doing? I'm very well. You're in studio with me here. Back in the same room. It's I nice. I can't remember how to do this. Don't don't look me in the eyes is the only thing. I, can, I can't do it with, when you're looking at me. Okay, <laughs> okay. Don't look at me. Fair enough. So listen, uh, take a listen to this. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end. That's the end by the doors. My now, movie buffs will know that's ridiculous because that's the mu- music that opens Apocalypse Now. And we're talking about endings, but every time I talked about thought about a movie ending, the song by the doors kept popping into my head. So I just wanted to start with that. Excellent. Yeah, I thought I thought, no I thought, I thought you'd like it. I, I flipped it on its head. So look, as I said to listeners, this is by popular demand in that we did a couple of months ago the best road movies of all time. And with the exception of maybe a Will Ferrell interview and a Ricky Gervais interview, I never got as much correspondence. So by popular demand, we're doing another themed show and we're looking at best movie endings. And as I say, spoiler alert, we will be giving away the endings of some movies. Mark. Movie endings, you know, they're a curious thing in that they can be brilliant, they can be terrible, they can be satisfying, they can be corny. I mean, give me your take on movie they, endings. They can also be very, very samey. Yes, that's and, exactly. Yeah. So in life, things don't always work out, I suppose. But, you know, when we go to the movies, we like to see things work out. And we kind of expect things to work out almost, you know. And happy endings are they're a comforting and, you know, we feel better about being launched from our safe cinema cocoon back out into the real world. And I suppose the, the tried and tested pattern is the, the classical Hollywood narrative that has been used in a million different ways, all going all the way back to the 1930s, all the way up to, to right now. And I suppose a definition of that, if, we, if, you, if you like, is, um, is it, it's, it's one that presents us with a psychologically defined individual with a clear motivation who who struggles in some way to solve a clear-cut problem and then in the course of the struggle they enter into conflict and they um, have you know external circumstances are thrust upon them but in the end the story ends with a, a decisive victory and a resolution of the problem and a clear achievement of the goal but I suppose the, those endings aren't the ones that really stay with us. No, exactly. So as you were saying that, that's, you know, describing the kind of narrative arc of most movies, where they begin and where Film they studies end 101. Yes, pretty much so. And, but the ones we've chosen are the ones, or a lot of them are the ones that surprise us, I guess. Yeah, they're the know? ones that stay with you. It's yeah. not the, 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 you know, the stereotypical happy Boy ending. Boy gets girl. Exactly, girl yeah, yeah. Gets boy. And I think we, 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 no, like, yes, serious spoilers, but I don't think we've, picked anything that is very obscure. No, I I think we've gone out of our way not to be because sometimes we can be, you know, prisoners of our own erudition and we won't let that happen here today. No, indeed. Well, can I give you 
Exhibit A. Would you that can be all right? Give me Exhibit A. Okay, take a listen to this. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly... Hang on, that's music. But of course, that segues into this. You don't have to be so nervous, you know. Nervous? Well, I am a bit nervous. I mean, it's pretty hard to be swallowed. Yeah. Did you get us a room? What? Have you gotten us a room yet? I haven't, no. Do you want to? Well, I don't. I mean, I could. Or we could just talk. You want me to get it? You? Oh, no, no, I'll get it. Do you want to get it now? Now? Yes. Well, I don't know. Why don't you get it? Why don't I get it? Well, I will then, if you'll excuse me. Yes, now that, of course, is Dustin Hoffman trying to order a room because he's, you know, about to have an affair, begin a sexual relationship with Mrs. Robinson. And we're talking, of course, about The Graduate. Now, that clip wasn't from the end, but to my mind, this is one of the greatest endings ever. And I have a very personal reason for it because this movie and I think maybe Taxi Driver were, you know, not that anyone really cares, but defining moments in my cinematic imagination, let's I say. care, John. I know you do. So that's why I'm telling. It's just me and you here. But that movie, and also I guess Taxi Driver, well, I was probably 15 when I saw both of them, was the first time I realised that a movie could be almost like a poem or that it could say something with images without what you were seeing on the screen, that they could in essence be works of art. Mm. And the graduate ending is still to this day kind of chilling, which seems like a strange thing to describe a movie about a young man, for people who don't know, Dustin Hoffman plays a guy who's returned from college. He's figuring out what the next chapter in his life is. He's clearly dealing with depression or just a malaise. And he begins an affair with Mrs. Robinson, an, a, 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 played by Anne Bagcroft, a neighbour who, I mean, she's an older woman. She wasn't old at all. But in the parlance of the day, she was an older woman. And then he strikes up a relationship with her daughter, Elaine. And the end scene, and here's the spoiler time, is Elaine is due to marry someone else. He shows up at the wedding, shouts through a glass verge, Elaine, Elaine, Elaine. She leaves the wedding. They run onto a bus. They're all happy and joyful. They sit down the back of the bus and the music by Paul Simon and Garfunkel, Simon and Garfunkel, that has occasionally been in and out of the movie, starts to play. Hello, darkness, my old friend. The sound of silence comes on. And Dustin Hoffman gets this look on his face. So here you have this, the whole movie's been building up to him and Elaine getting together. And they do. She leaves another possible marriage and elopes with him. Or, or, or flees the wedding she's meant to be at where she's the bride and ends up with him and you think it's going to be jolly ever after and with just one look on his face and her face and the music of Simon and Garfunkel coming on with the sound of you realise all is not going to be well and whatever he thought Elaine was going to give him it looks like it's not going to work out for him. She's not going to help him from this malaise that he has. No, It's one of the most glorious, unexpected endings in cinema, to my mind. It's an example of be careful what you wish for, I think. Exactly. <laughs> and the use of Simon and Garfunkel is, is just brilliant. And, you know, 
it actually changed music and movies. You're probably aware of this, but soundtracks became a much bigger deal. And there's an argument that in a way, The Graduate invented the modern soundtrack because music was no longer just seen as accidental after The Graduate. It could be almost part of the narrative. Mm. And to my mind, it's one of the greatest endings of all time. Also, you have to remember that many lives have been ruined at the end of that movie. Why? Well, I mean... Oh, you mean in the story? In the story. Yeah, absolutely. Not in real life. I'm sure it worked out very well for (laughs) everyone concerned. (laughs) No, in the context of what's going on at the end of that movie. Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, yeah, no, there was shrapnel. Nobody's nobody's coming away from that one. There was shrapnel all over the floor. And there was a lot more to recommend The Graduate, uh, from Mike Nichols' direction to the music that we talked about. But the ending is absolutely stupendous. And it's really funny. Uh, it's hilarious at times, absolutely hilarious. As we heard in the clip there when he doesn't quite know how to even order a room before he begins this affair. Now, I should have mentioned at the start, if you do want to get in touch with us, I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email us screentime at newstalk.com. We'd love to hear your suggestions for the best movie endings of all time. Uh, what works for you, what doesn't. Mark, let's let's take one of your choices. Right, well... This is going to find seem very very unusual for okay. me, um, but for I'm going to go with my first choice is La La Land from back in 2016. Wow! Yeah, now I um, did not see that coming. I mean, you sent me the notes, so I did, but you know what I mean for the purposes of radio. <laughs> you saw the set list beforehand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew you'd open with La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the benefit of those who who couldn't stomach it, uh, La La Land. Is- Sorry, do you not hate musicals? I do. I'm going to get to that. Okay, go on. Sorry. <laughs> I really hate musicals with a passion. Um, but la- it's a musical and it's a love story with Emma Stone and uh, Ryan Gosling. Curse mm-hmm. his his beautiful, symmetrical face. Yeah, I am. Um, nah, you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> it brings with it its own there. baggage, trust me. Um, it won the Best Picture Oscar for about 15 seconds before um, Moonlight uh, was oh, corrected. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. But um, the ending... What ha- what's happening in the ending of La La Land? It's a it's a a, f- a five year flash forward, and uh, um, Mia and Sebastian, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone's characters, they have they have long split up and they've gone their separate ways, mm. but they've both achieved um, their ambitions. She's she's gone on to become the, the successful movie star that she she had dreamed of, and he has opened the jazz club that was that was always his, his one true passion, and Mia has ended up with a guy who is not Sebastian, and they have a ba- a young baby and. Um, then by chance Mia ends up in Sebastian's club and when he sees her in the crowd he, he starts playing the first few bars of their, their theme mm. and this marks um, this sparks a, a fantasy sequence of, of revisionism where he gets to do all the things that he should have done right in the first place um, they don't wait half the movie to kiss and then he turns down the lucrative but, but soul destroying gig with, with John Legend and he follows her to Paris uh, where she gets her first big break and then there's this really nice super eight home movies of them moving into their first home mm-hmm. and having their first child and and then it all ends and reality takes over again. And do you like, it is a great ending and uh, and it was funny I, I when I saw you were doing La La Land and then I remembered the ending. It, it's a superb ending but do you enjoy the rest of the movie because it is a musical that leads up to the ending? It, it, it La La Land is a, I think it's a movie for people who love movies. Now, mm-hmm. let me get this straight from the the, the, the off I, I obviously I, I can't stand musicals um, and, but look if musicals isn't your thing then God bless but it's just a personal preference no I know yeah I just find them really stupid yeah. um, I think but I think with La La Land and the first time I saw it I hated it as well right mm. but I think if you can make it through the first 15 minutes or to put it another way if you can make it past the first 
two musical numbers, then it's a completely different movie. I don't know how you could not be charmed by La La Land if you can make it through the first for 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Because it's got all the trappings of, of the golden age of Hollywood. It's got that Gene Kelly. It's, it's um, you know, Ginger Rogers and um, Fred Astaire. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's really, really funny as well. And it's charming. And Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, I don't know how you couldn't like those two in a comedy. There's elements of Annie Hall. Mm. Um, there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tribute to, to everything that's great about the movies. Mm. But the ending, the thing about the ending, it's, it's really, really powerful. It's like a, a punch to the stomach. And um, it's, it draws out what could have been. Um, and it, it, it has that, that message that it's possible for a breakup to be an uplifting thing. And, you know, they both end up with what they wanted, mm. but it's just that it happens that it's not that happily, happily ever after couple. Yeah. It's, I, I describe it as happy, sad. It's very, very melancholy. Yeah. And I mean, other, other movies have done that kind of here's what could have been, but for some reason, the La La Land ending works in a way that lots of others don't. You yeah. know, it's very affecting. I, for me, it's because when it ends and you're dropped back down to earth, mm. it's just... It was just, I, I'll never forget seeing that for the first time, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's often the way with a great ending. It, it stays with you in a, you know, to use that Annie Hall phrase, a gut level. I'd yeah. like to hit this guy in a gut level, but it really does. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't argue with that. As I say, I was really surprised that you were choosing La La Land, but you make a good case for why, even if you're not a musical lover, which I'm not really either, you would love La La Land. It's just so ridiculous. But look, that's just me. Let, let's park that. We're staying in the light. We're talking about the best movie endings, Mark. So let's not get into the worst musicals of all time, of which you think most of them are. I did enjoy In the Heights, Lin-Manuel Miranda's recent one. I really did. Good for you. Yeah, I thought you might think that. Okay, listen, this was a no-brainer for me. If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No. No. It's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. One of the great. Now, it's not technically the end end, but it's 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 the fruition of not just the movie, but in a way, it's the dark heart of the entire Star Wars story. The shocking truth at the heart of the whole Star Wars myth is that Luke Skywalker is actually the son of Darth Vader. And, uh, you know, again, going back, I remember a rumour that this was the case before I saw this in 1980 or 1981. I was five. Yeah, I would have been five when I went to see it first. I remember being very loud, but I do remember. I was probably too young to see it as well. But that rubbish shock of Darth being Luke's father is is one of the greatest movie shocks of all time. And it's Shakespearean, it's Freudian. The driving force of your life, the thing that is compelling you to choose your path in life, right, to learn the force, to fight the empire, is actually your father. Your sworn enemy is the man who gave birth to you. It's a brilliant conceit. And it was handled so well. Now, people, you know... Mark Hamill 
I know you're a massive Star Wars fan and I yeah. am as well. But we both know Mark Hamill wasn't the greatest actor in the world. He was incredibly wooden playing Luke. But when he's dealing with the shocking revelation of Darth being his father, I thought he was great. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, no, no argument here. It's a, it's a fantastic. It, it, even the ending. I mean, to go to go back on like Darth Vader was like he was a villain, mm. but up to that point he was just a villain. Yeah, um, and that bit just makes you think oh my god there's a guy in inside that that suit you know yeah i mean of course there was a guy inside the suit but i'm talking about in the context of what's going on in the story yeah and um <laughs> yes. do you know what i mean <laughs> but um the thing about the very ending of empire is that it's it's such a a, a brave thing to do i mean Absolutely. everybody is screwed at the end of that movie luke's it's, luke's lost a hand yeah hannah's often carbonized freezing, yeah. freezing his ass off <laughs> and, uh, but it sets up um just in terms of of Revenge of the Jedi, which is is kind of it does get you know maligned. This all the stuff in in Revenge of the Jedi to do with like Luke Return and, of the Jedi. Yeah, I was calling it. I guess it was original title was Revenge that's of the right, Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. But all that stuff between Luke and Darth Vader, that's the good stuff in in Return of the Jedi. Well, it's funny because you know Return of the Jedi would kind of be up there for me on a personal level with another great movie ending because the flip side of this revelation of course in Empire is when Return of the Jedi Dart overcomes or returns to the human part in him and throws the Emperor down the shaft and saves Luke who in turn can't save his father from death but he's already saved him like that's a pretty profound ending as well you it know? is yeah yeah, but yeah. Empire... God, I feel like watching Empire Strikes Back now <laughs> I'm not stopping you. Yeah, it was a dark time for the rebellion. Oh, wonderful. Well, listen, if you've just tuned in, me and Mark Ryle are looking at the best movie endings of all time. I was talking about The Empire Strikes Back there. Mark was talking surprisingly but wonderfully about La La Land. And I began by talking about the great Dustin Hoffman movie and Anne Bancroft movie. The Graduate. If you want to get in touch with any of your suggestions, John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle or you can email us screentime at Newstalk. Dot com. Mark, why don't we take a wee breather? Why don't we? Screen Time on News Talk. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talk's TV and movie show. And myself and Mark Ryle are doing something a little different this week. We're looking at the best movie endings of all time. And as I said ad nauseum in the first part of the show, spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen any of the movies we're talking about and you don't want to know the ending... Not that I want you to leave, but please don't email me saying you spoil the movie. Spoiler alert. Now, before the break, we were talking about La La Land. That was Mark's first choice. I mentioned The Graduate and also, of course, The Empire Strikes Back. Mark, let's take another one of yours, please. I am going to move backwards chronologically. Good. So we're Good. going back to 1982 and we're going to talk about The Thing, which ah, I'm wonderful. sure you have heard me talk about before. Yeah. Um it was, uh, in my opinion, I think the thing was the last of uh, John Carpenter's really, really great movies, and it ended an extraordinary run that started in 1976 with Assault and Precinct 13, right through Halloween and The Fog, and then Escape from New York. But great um, movies, as you list them out there. Yeah. I mean, what five, yeah. five in a row? Wow! Think about it. Gritty East Coast America. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the thing, along with Halloween, it's the one that I keep going back to. And I'm absolutely disgusted to admit that I have bought the thing on a ridiculous amount of different formats over the years. Starting, how, many, how many formats? Well, starting with VHS. Yeah. And I don't know how many copies I've, I have on, on, on given away on DVD. And then, of course, Blu-ray. More yeah. Another Blu-ray with different special features. Wow. And then <laughs> 4K. I don't even own a 4K player. But... Um, 
Uh, yeah, so anyway, it's it's. I think it's a, a the thing. It really stands up, and it's timeless. And the only thing I don't like about it is Kurt Russell's ridiculous hat. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, the two key themes of the thing are isolation and paranoia. Mm-hmm. And in a nutshell, uh, it is about the crew of an isolated science research station in the Antarctic, and they become infected by an alien organism that takes over a human host, and then it turns into a perfect imitation of that host, and then spreads and looks for another host to infect. And it's a very neat, self-contained scenario, and it's got a very small cast of just 12 characters, and they are gradually picked off one by one. Yeah, and it is a fantastic film. Talk to us then about the ending. The, Why you love the ending? The so end much. at the end, um, McCready, who which is uh, Kurt Russell's character, he's the last man standing, and he has just blown up the entire um, station, including supposedly the the organism. And then, so with the camp destroyed and everyone dead, he has he really has nowhere left to go, and he slumps down in the snow with a bottle of whiskey, and he's most certainly going to die of exposure very, very shortly. And then um, Keith David's character, Childs, he shows up out of the dark with a flamethrower. And um, his Childs has been conspicuously absent for a good portion of the, the last bit of the movie. And the assumption in when he shows up is is that he is probably infected. So, um, and they both, they neither had a very good relationship before all this kicked mm-hmm. off. So, uh, you know, they're kind of left looking at each other thinking... Uh, you know what should we do now? And the it, the movie ends with uh, you know the killer last line. Why don't we just wait here for a while and see what happens, and then fade to black. Um, there was a couple of different discussions as to what should have happened at the end of, of the thing. The studio wanted this generic ending where a helicopter shows up and rescues the two of them, which mm. would have completely missed the point. Mm. Um, and another I think was intended that they both kind of kill each other. <laughs> Um, which you know whatever but I, I think it was Kurt Russell's suggestion that it should be just left hanging mm. and I think it's a perfect ending it's 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 really dark and it's am- ambiguous and it, it doesn't give you a resolution as such but we can kind of fill in the blanks for ourselves of what's going to happen and you see what's interesting about that is because sometimes movies they leave things vague and you almost feel like it's because they didn't know how to end it. And it's deeply unsatisfying because you've gone on this journey and then there's no resolution and you felt that the the vagueness of it was inappropriate, that that, that it needed a statement of fact. But some of the great ones do that and the thing's ending does that, you know, as good as anything. Deliberately ambiguous. Yeah, but, but, but ambiguous and you don't feel cheated by that ambiguity. No, absolutely not, yeah. Yeah. I would, I've watched it a silly amount of times and I will watch it many more. Okay. And, and you know, 1982, uh, special effects and all that, it still holds up? Oh, God, the practical effects. We have to talk about that. Well, they're, go ahead. They're just, they're the groundbreaking, you know. And I think they, they do still stand up, mm. you know. Yeah. And give me that any day of the week over. No problem. You know, post-production no problem. CG. Well, that is the thing. Mark's, uh, I think it's a second choice so far. I, I've chosen three, but as I always remind him, it's my show. <laughs> so that's The Thing by John Carpenter from 1982, which he's saying is one of the best movie endings of all time, which we're talking about here on Screen Time on News Talk. Now, this, you know, for some is the daddy of them all. Uh, take a listen to this. Whatever mistakes I made, I paid for them and then so. That hotel, that boat. I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. I mean, Mexico is way to hell down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. Yeah, right. That's the way it is. 
It's down there and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. Yes, now that, of course, is the Shawshank Redemption you heard. Morgan Freeman there, who plays Red, of course, and Andy Dufresne's character, played wonderfully by Tim Robbins. Now, here's something, Mark, the Shawshank Redemption. I, as you know, most weeks on the show do what's your favourite movie with a celebrity or someone well-known. And I've had to almost impose a ban on the Shawshank Redemption because mm-hmm. it's just chosen so often that we're really? just going to be repeating ourselves. Yes. And the thing is... Some people, you know, I think it still has the highest ratings on IMDb, The Shawshank Redemption, or it's certainly up there, right? I'll take your word for it. Yeah, and like 100% or something like that. People adore that movie. Some people criticise the ending for being too hammy. But you see, I have a theory about this. In case you haven't seen The Shawshank Redemption, I think most people have. It is about Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, who goes to prison for a crime he didn't commit, spends over 20 years in that prison, and... All sorts of things happened to him. But all the while, we didn't realise he was building an escape tunnel. And at the end of the movie, he gets out of this escape tunnel, ends up on a beach where he always wanted to go if he ever got out of prison. And the man who became his friend and almost soulmate, Morgan Freeman's character, Red, joins him years later, or a few years later, when he gets out of prison. And they, the closing scene is them on the beach. Now, there are two takes on it. One, it's the hokiest thing imaginable and that could never happen. And uh, Tim Robbins' character calls through, you know, a sewer for a mile and, and, and has to do all sorts of things to get free. Or you could see it as one of the most deeply satisfying movie endings of all time, which I do. Because most movie endings, particularly the corny ones, they're tacked on, you know. Whereas the Shawshank Redemption, he's earned it. He's gone through the SH1T for most of that movie. Awful things have happened to him in prison. And had it not been for that ending, it it would have been too dark a movie. And there's a great life lesson in it. And I think that's why it's so popular a movie. That we want to know that if you pull up with the SH1T long enough and you stick with the programme and take the punches life throws at you, that occasionally on a good day, You'll get where you always went to go. You'll get a yacht. Exactly. In in, uh, Tijuana, not not Tijuana, it's it's hard to pronounce that. It's a beautiful town on the Pacific in Mexico. And, you know, uh, Tim Robbins' character says the, the ocean has no memory and he wants to go to a place with no memory. And you don't see them hug or anything. You just see them walk towards one another. Mm. It is spine tingling. It is beautiful. And I think the popularity of the movie has to do with the ending in particular because we are rewarded for going on that journey. And in a way, in life, we want to be rewarded for that journey. I realise I'm starting to sound like Deepak Chopra over here, but that (laughs) is a profound movie despite being such a popcorn movie. Like, I I stand over it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the Shawshank Redemption? No problem with the the ending. I'm going to say something now that's going to get me shot and excommunicated. I think the Shawshank Redemption is fine. (laughs) (laughs) What a glowing endorsement. But there's nothing wrong. I mean, it's a a good movie. I just, I'm bewildered by the the fact that it constantly shows up as the number one film ever made. But it's for the reasons I just outlined. Perhaps you weren't listening. 
<laughs> I was thinking about something else. No, I was. No, no. Hey, I, club I get sandwich. It. You won't travel well. The lettuce will be limp. Very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I think it's okay. a it's a good movie, you know. But yeah. I just it's 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 appearance on the the all time greatest movies of all time. I just find um, I don't get it. I'm, I've seen it a lot. It's always mm. on TV. Every it couple is. of weeks, it's it's on TV. There's not. I mean, it's a good movie. There's nothing wrong with it. But I just don't think it's. There's nothing in it really that. That would kick it up to you know all time classic for me. Oh dear. Well, I think our listeners will disagree. I'm sure they. But will. let's find out. You can text us five three one zero six. You can email us screen time at newstalk.com or you can tweet me John underscore Farley. Let us know what you think of the ending of the Shawshank Redemption and indeed the movie as a whole, which Mark is saying is just fine. Yeah, don't come know? near me. I don't want to know what you think. <laughs> Uh, and let us know your favourite movie endings as well because I would love to hear from you okay Mark that was me on the ending of the Shawshank Redemption which I just absolutely love so let us have another one of your best movie endings please my next pick is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest oh yeah from 1975 Um, so this is uh, Milos Forman's adaptation of uh, Ken Kesey's counterculture classic is it Kesey yeah Kesey yeah yeah. Yeah. so I'm, I'm always tempted to say Casey but it's not it's Kesey you're right I think it's Kesey. No, it is Kesey. You're absolutely right. I don't I know mispronounce things all the time. <laughs> As do I. Um, but anyway, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, it won in all five of the big Oscar categories, including Jack Nicholson's first Oscar for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's uh, I suppose it's about when an irresistible force meets an immovable object. It's a battle of wills between um, authority and independent will. Mm-hmm. And um, authority wins. Um so Jack Nicholson plays Orpie McMurphy, who is he's a he's a, a lovable rogue. Yeah, and he's faked um, mental illness to get transferred from uh, a prison to a minimum security mental institution. Um, and I suppose the precursor to the final scene um, of Cuckoo's Nest is after many, um, you know, uh, pushing against the I don't want to use the word. <laughs> Kicking against the you know what, mm-hmm. um, or P. McMurphy. He's he's. There's been a, a night of debauchery within the ward, mm-hmm. and um, Brad Dourif's char- character Billy has um, he's killed himself after uh, Nurse Ratchet threatened telling his mother that she he's he slept with a woman, and um, then um, McMurphy tries to strangle Ratchet. So, you know, um, everything kicks off, um, and uh, everything that 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 Ratchet has has thrown at McMurphy up to this point has failed to break him. Um, so she does the only thing that's left in her arsenal to defeat him, which is to, um, um, you know, to lobotomize him. And then a couple of days after that happens, he's he's wheeled back into the ward in the middle of the night. And um, he, uh, Chief Bromden, who is supposed to be the other character that we have to talk about, he finds that his friend has been lobotomized. Mm. And um, it ends with uh, the chief putting a pillow over McMurphy and smothering him. And then there's this uh, huge, uh, gigantic marble water fountain that... Uh, McMurphy tried to to use to break out earlier on and he failed um but um the chief throws that through the window and then he's running he, the last shot of the the movie is um him running across the hospital grounds towards freedom now it's probably if you think about it it's probably not going to work out very well <laughs> and he's probably going to be you know found and taken back in but you know it's a sort of a I suppose it's it's I would describe the ending of as maybe 15 seconds of 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 joy at, for a lifetime of pain <laughs> Yeah, and what what's so affecting about the ending is right before it, when you see that he's been lobotomized. It's funny, that's what stays with me more than 
the the chief running off into the woods or yeah. into the field. It's that's the heartache at the end that that almost I think overpowers. I'm not saying it's not a great ending. It's tremendous, but the sight of Jack Nicholson's character finally being beaten by the only way they knew how is is horrific. Yeah. but a great piece of art. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. We should probably talk about um, Louise Fletcher as well as Nurse as Ratchet. As Nurse Ratchet. Well, and of course the character Ratchet was reimagined in that Netflix series last year and everything. She's one That's of these right, yeah. beguiling characters. She was brilliant in it. She was. Yeah. Um. I, th- I think if you look at passive aggression in the dictionary, there's probably a picture of. Louise yeah. Fletcher. <laughs> and also, Nicholson was, I mean, he was on a roll oh, at that stage. He was tremendous. brilliant. In it. And you also had Christopher Lloyd in it. Yeah, uh, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible an cast. Incredible cast. And I, I love Nurse Ratchet's realization that he's leading the others astray. That's when it really hits the fan. Yeah, know? yeah. I yeah. think one of the most disturbing things about her character is that on some level, she probably, in her mind, truly believes that she's helping these people. Yeah, I know, absolutely. That's the tragedy of her character, yeah. in a way. Yeah. It's no, just... it's brilliant. It really is. And it's become, you know, it, it, that movie has had such a relevance and such a... It's become pop culture It's mentioned in all sorts of ways. People are described as ratchets and, and, and places are described as like a cuckoo's nest. You yeah. know, I've worked in one <laughs> or two of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So if you're just tuned in, we are looking at the best movie endings here on Screen Time, myself and Mark Roy. We are giving spoiler alerts. We are giving spoilers, so spoiler alert. Mark was talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is a profoundly affecting ending, I have to say. Do get in touch with us if there's anything you'd like to nominate as a best movie ending or give us your views on what we're talking about, John underscore 40, or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com. Now, I'm going to not really give a spoiler for my next one that I just want to mention kind of quickly in passing. The great French director, Michael Haneke, did a wonderful movie from 2005, I want to say, but I'm not entirely sure, called Hidden. Yeah, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. It's of no consequence. It's out there. People will find it. And it's about a man living a a nice middle-class, upper-class French life. And these surveillance videos that are being taken of his family and him are arriving on his doorstep. And it sets in train this whole exploration of something that happened in his past. And it may be making reference, and it's a French movie, to a colonial past and the wider French kind of thing and the collective guilt and all that kind of stuff. It's a deeply involved, intriguing movie. But the ending... And this is why I'm not giving a spoiler because it's it's it, it wouldn't be fair because I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie. It's cachet in French, but it's called Hidden. But the ending is n- not like any other ending you've ever seen because it may just be almost like you're looking at credits rolling or it may be a complete deconstruction of the entire movie. And for instance, Michael Henke said that his number two, or, or I think it was his script writing partner or someone like that, watched it and missed it completely, what the ending was saying. It really is a kind of blink or, you know, don't pay attention and you will miss it. It, it It's probably the most intriguing ending of any film I've ever seen. Now, I know I'm being really vague about that, but I have to be. Let's but keep it vague. The ending of Hidden, Cachet in French, is remarkable storytelling. I missed what you were talking about when I saw it the first time. You you did see it the first I d- time. I did no, I missed it completely. I wasn't Sorry, aware of it. But you have seen the movie. Oh, I've obviously. seen it. Yeah, yes. I've seen it a couple of times. Couple but yeah, of I did. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I, I missed 
what you were alluding to. And there, listeners, you have the gulf between me and Mark Ryle. Having said that, there is an awful lot that I tend to miss. Uh, would you agree, though, now that you're fully cognizant of the ending, that it's a pretty affecting ending? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's Michael Haneke. To, uh, at the risk of sounding like uh, Wallace, I, I do like a, a bit of... A nice piece of Michael Haneke. <laughs> Very good. Okay, well, listen, we better take another quick ad break. We are running out of time on this special screen time, best movie endings of all time. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with you. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, the last part of our special here on the show this week where me and Mark Ryle are looking at some of the best movie endings of all time. As I say, this is by popular demand. We did the best road movies earlier in the year and people seem to like it and suggest that we do some more of these type of shows. So as it's kind of the height of summer, we thought, why not? If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, you can email us, screentime at newstalk.com or you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy. We've been talking about all sorts of movies from La La Land to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest to The Thing to uh, Michael Haneke's Hidden or Cachet in French. Uh, I'm also at pains to point out we are giving spoilers. We're giving you a spoiler alert here because we are discussing the endings of movies. They're pretty well-known movies, so please don't email me saying I've ruined the movie on you. I'm telling you now, if you haven't seen these movies, we are going to give you the ending. Mark, there's a couple that we just... This is a very personal list that we're doing and there's some obvious choices we haven't mentioned. The usual suspects. People love that. I I like that as an ending too. I thought Mm. that worked very well. People often talk about Chinatown. I know you love the movie Seven and it's a wonderful ending. We did discuss that before. We've talked about it before, yeah, but what an ending. Absolutely. So there are lots of endings that we're not getting to just because we don't have time. We only have an hour here. So your last choice, Mark, is a wonderful... British folk horror. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, my last choice is The Wicker Man from 1973. And um, in The Wicker Man, Edward Woodward plays a Scottish police sergeant called Sergeant Howie. And he receives an anonymous letter about a missing child on a remote highland island called Summer Isle. Mm. And um, Howie's, I suppose, his defining characteristic is his devout faith in God. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't, when he arrives on the island, he he discovers that the island's inhabitants are pagan worshippers with a, a, a lackadaisical attitude to premarital sex. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really, nothing, none of it sits well with him. Um, anyway, he eventually finds the missing girl, but it, it transpires that she was, she was just a decoy that the islanders used to, to lure him to the island. And he is, in fact, going to be sacrificed to the god of the harvest mm. so that the following year's crop will be bountiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie ends with uh, with Howie locked inside a giant wooden effigy of a wicker man mm-hmm. and burned alive while the villagers all watch and laugh and sing. It's, it's fairly grim stuff. <laughs> yeah. You don't say. Yeah. Now, just as you, and we'll, we'll discuss the ending now, but it's a long, it's that movie you talk about a lot, but it's a long time since I saw it. Yeah. The, we don't get any insight that there's going to be this wicker man right up until the end or do no, we? I it's can't a, remember. It's, it's, I'd say it's a big reveal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. There is not, no, there's not, that, and that's what makes the ending so powerful is because it is so completely unexpected. Mm. Um. The first, I mean, I've, I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah. Rewatched it before before this, um, but um, his, his and his fate is so is so brutal and shocking in the context of 
the path that he has been on yeah. up to the up to that point, right up until the end. I think everyone he's encountered on the island, he he he's mocked for his beliefs and he's laughed at. But you know, we still expect him to uncover the mystery and to rescue the girl and to make it back to safety. Now he does two of those things. Mm. <laughs> unfortunately not the third um, and yeah Edward Woodward's he, there's there's a there's a mad bit of dialogue at the end when he realises what's happening and it's his unnatural cadence that he uses to you know to, to, to for, for the dialogue it's very very unsettling yeah and isn't he kind of screaming oh Jesus no and all that kind of stuff right at the oh, end oh God oh Jesus Christ yeah and he kind of he, his character is Scottish but it's just it doesn't sound it just sounds so abnormal the way it's delivered um, I think the other unsettling aspect of this is that there is no monster here mm. you know the monster or the, the quote unquote the other yeah. is is just the people of Summer Isle and you know their their cold blooded cruelty, and that's more creepy than than any monster. Um, it's I think along with Witchfinder General and Blood on Satan's uh, Blood on Satan's Claw, The Wicker Man. It's one of the the, the seminal movies of the folk horror genre. And um, Ari Aster's Midsummer certainly wouldn't exist without the yeah a the, lot the of a Man. lot of movies I think a lot of uh, directors I talk to often reference it. The know? Wicker Man, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I don't know. I think it. I think it's pretty well known. I'm sure. Oh no, absolutely. Have seen it. Who uh, you see? It's been so long since I saw it. Who is the other lead in it? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Yeah, he's scarily. Good there's and some, bad in this. There's some interesting wardrobe choices yeah, going on yeah. there. There was a, um, a HBO thing from last year called The Third Day, which is also heavily indebted to it. Mm. And that was kind of two, it was two self well, not self-contained, but it was two kind of, you know, episodic three-parter things mm. with this. It's one of the weirdest things I've seen all year. Um, Jude Law, the middle part of it was like a 12-hour filmed theatrical event done oh, live on yeah, the that's island coming back to me now yeah but it's just extraordinary <laughs> i mean there's no question of finding it but i think it's <laughs> I, I it's not something I'm, I'm likely to forget in a hurry there is also a um there was a remake with nicolas cage from 2006 i think go and find the worst bits of it on youtube but leave it at that okay was that deplorable i haven't seen it it was appalling yeah. i mean it's worth checking out the the the, the worst 5 minutes on youtube but okay uh so the, but what I really like about it is, and it's a, a conceit that The Wicker Man is the title of the movie. So the ending is contained in the title of the movie. <laughs> That's right, yeah. You know, it's brilliant. Where's really this is. Wicker Man? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, I should mention, uh, we gave some honourable mentions earlier. Obviously, also people talk sometimes about Citizen Kane as a wonderful ending of all time. And the, the big <laughs> reveal, let's not give it away. Do you find the Citizen Kane reveal satisfying? I'm going to give the same answer I, I gave for the Shawshank Redemption. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, do, you think, th do you think Citizen Kane is overrated? I think it, uh, technically it's it's very, very important. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I, I also... A lot of people mention Inception as a great movie ending, uh, which I can I can see. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. I and mean, it's Christopher Nolan, Christopher who, who Nolan. we're both big fans of as well. And I, we just didn't have enough time. But if I was allowed another choice en route to my final choice, I would probably mention The Third Man. It's one of my favourite movies of all time. But the ending of that, I absolutely love. The way it's shot and there's someone walking. Let's... Let's just say that. Wait, and of course the music. Yeah. Gang, 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 gang. It's a zither. Yeah, I know. It's a um. zither. So, but they are endless. Some of the best movie endings. So do let us know what you think. So my final choice in our little trawl through our favourite movie endings, Mark, is Lost in Translation. 
great. Maybe Bill Murray's finest hour. Maybe Scarlett Johansson's finest hour. Certainly Sofia Coppola, who I really like, finest hour as well. In case you don't know, Lost in Translation sees Bill Murray playing an actor called Bob Harris, who's clearly having some trouble at home in his marriage. He's in Japan. I think he's paid $2 million to make a whiskey commercial. Scarlett Johansson is a young woman who's married a celebrity photographer. She's not quite sure what she's doing with her life. She bumps in to the actor Bob Harris, Bill Murray, uh, this world-weary actor, and they form this friendship. Will it become more? There's a massive age gap. Will it turn romantic? Who knows? It's set against this wonderful frenetic Tokyo uh, which is just ripping around the place they go to karaoke bars they get to know each other better it gets close to them getting closer all the time but the ending is I suppose one of those examples of maybe something we were talking about earlier that could be needlessly vague but to me works wonderfully well and in actual fact was kind of an ad lib so the movie ends with them saying goodbye to each other we're not sure what's going to happen to them. Bill Murray gets out of the cab, runs back to Scarlett Johansson in this crowded street and whispers something in her ear that only they ever know. Now, there are nerds, and I make no apology for saying that, who've slowed it down and have figured out through lip reading and stuff like that, possibly what he actually says to her. I've never looked. I don't want to know. I don't care. Because in post-production, Sophia Copeland said that they didn't record what Bill Murray said and she thought, you know what? We'll do it afterwards in post-production. And then they decided, no. It doesn't matter. Let's just leave it. It doesn't matter. It matters completely, you know, in terms of what the movie's about, what he says to her. But we're not meant to know because it's meant to be the two possible Lovers, and exactly. I just think it's almost a wonderful accident of an ending. Do you know what I mean? I do. And there is a whole load of stuff around that movie, like Bill Murray. She literally wasn't sure, apparently, until the day before if he was going to show up. You know, <laughs> and there's this famous thing. You know, you have to leave a voicemail. It's the only way you can get through to him. You leave a message for him and stuff like that. Doesn't he have his agent has a fax or something? That's yeah, the there's only... all sort, and there's there's a whole story around that. Some of it may not be through at all. He's hard to reach and she wasn't entirely sure if he had fully signed up to it but he did show up and and to this day he claims it's his best performance and that's saying something the way he does that world weary nonchalance vaguely melancholy thing is just wonderful but the ending to go back to the ending it is just wonderful cinema making because not only do you have the whisper but then at the end of it you have him leaving her we don't know what's been said they look a bit happier since he said what he said And then he's going through the streets of Tokyo and one of the best pieces of music in a movie ever has uh, the Jesus and Mary Chains just like honey playing as he drives through the streets of Tokyo. (sighs) Man, that's movie making. For relaxing times. Make it Centauri times. Centauri times. Well, you know, our our audio expert here in Neil Kavanagh who looks after the station audio, basically, branding and all that kind of stuff, I always make a joke to him whenever he's doing my promos. For relaxing times. Make it screen time. Cut the, cut the, cut the. <laughs> so listen, what do you think of the ending I th- of Lost in Translation? It's fantastic. I love I love Lost in Translation. It's just odd that, it's funny, because I, I never got, for me, the, the, the great thing about Lost in Translation is there wasn't any sort of sexual tension between those characters, okay. which I find 
I found really refreshing, mm. given the age difference, obviously. But did you not think that it was possibly verging towards that, but didn't? I no? thought it was a more of a paternal relationship. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Which I, which I was very, very happy about. Oh, completely. Absolutely. But you see, there's one point he puts his hand on her foot yeah. and they're lying in bed. To me, it's getting close. Now, I did hear Bill Murray say that, you know, he was talking about his kids to her, the Bob Harris character, yeah. Scarlett Johansson's character, and that if a man was going to have an affair, he wouldn't be talking up the children he has with another woman. Yeah, it's a real turn on. the woman he was going to have. So maybe, I don't know, to me it's always remained vague, but but I'm glad nothing happened because it, it shouldn't have. But, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think there may have been room there possibly I wasn't sure about that but that's the ambiguity ambiguity of it but but I absolutely love that as a movie ending and I've absolutely loved our little chat here about the best movie endings I hope our listeners have too you can email us long after this show has ended screentime at newstalk.com or you can tweet me John underscore Fardy. Mark, it's been fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of some funny movie ending. To, we've you we've know. ruined enough movies for, for everyone. We? <laughs> we should, we, yeah, we should probably go now. Then. <laughs> this is the end. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, John.